TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Five Rounds Podcast. The only podcast out there with the cardio for those deep water championship rounds. I'm Mags, and with me today, as always, my son Carlos. Carlos, how are you? I'm good. How's yourself? Yeah, not too bad. I've been uh, checking out uh, your super secret project that's coming uh, coming in uh, the beginning of the year. Uh, but we're not here to discuss that. We're here to discuss the last UFC event of 2020. UFC Vegas 17. UFC Fightnet. Thompson versus Neil. Uh, an absolutely stacked card uh Full of uh, either first round finishes or decisions, uh, but let's uh, just quickly go through these prelims. So we had a we started the day with a, a catchweight fight with uh, Christos Giagos picking up the the decision against Carlton Minnes. Then in the flyweights we got a first round sub from Jimmy Flick against Cordet Durden. Into the middleweights, uh, Tafon uh, Chukwe got the decision against Jamie Pickett. And then in the women's flyweight, we got Gillian Robertson picking up the decision against Tyler Santos. Uh, going again back to another catchweight. No, Derek... no, no, no. Oh, no, ball. Oh, yeah, yeah, I apologise for that. Uh, Tyler Santos was actually the one who picked up the, the win against Gillian Robertson. Uh, going into the catchweights, again, we had Darren Wynn picking up the decision against Antonio Arroyo. And then uh, a really big win for uh, in the ba- women's bantamweight for Pane uh, Kianzad against Sajara Eubanks. And then the feature prelim was uh, Anthony Pettis getting the decision against uh, Alex Morono. So going into the main card and we start with uh, everybody's favourite fighter, uh, Greg Hardy, lol. Uh, taking on uh, Marcin Tabura, who had the potential to be the the five rounds pod fighter of the week. Um, it was the first round. It was uh, very much uh, Greg Hardy's round for me. I thought that his shots were were much more crisper than uh, than Tabura's. He was able to to kind of um, just land those jabs really well, uh, but. But the problem was he he fell into the trap that he's fell into before where he, he unloads everything he's got in that first round hoping to, to finish the fight early. Uh, Tabora, there was a couple of times in, in the round where he looked stunned and he looked like he was maybe uh, maybe going to get finished. But he was able to, to kind of hold on. Uh, took a, a lot of damage in that first round but it was, uh, uh, he got to the bell. And we, we, as soon as we uh, saw Greg Hardy sitting in the in the in his in his blue corner, we could tell that he gasped because he was heavy breathing. He was really kind of struggling, and the guy was looking for his uh, inhaler again. Uh, you could <laughs> you could really tell. Uh, but coming out in, into the second round, he, I thought he started uh, bright again. He started to 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 really try to dig at the body and land those. Uh, those big uh, heavy punches to the head, but uh, Tabura was able to um, kind of get more uh, more of his, his offense in, uh, shot for a couple of takedowns, which uh, didn't quite come off, uh, but was able to land uh, uh, combos uh, on the outside. And then when he did get the takedown, uh, uh, after getting Greg up, up against the fence and then being able to uh, take the leg, um, Greg Hardy, he, he looked 
amateur on the floor. Really, really kind of, even though he was so sweaty, Tabura was able to, to control him pretty much at ease. Allowed Greg to uh, uh, use lots and lots of energy in trying to uh, get to uh, get to his back to his feet. But once he, uh, he felt Greg kind of go limp, and uh, and like really kind of lose that that momentum. Um, Tabura was able to to basically start unloading that massive massive heavy punching ground and pound, and the I, f I felt that uh, the ref gave gave um, Greg plenty of time to charm work. Dan Mergliotta was really kind of lenient with him, uh, but he started turtling and covering up, really not moving and. We got the the five of the night, the best uh, best thing we could end the year on uh, a Greg Harder ass whipping and uh, Martin Tabera uh, goes into a fourth out win streak. Carlos, how amazing is that? Considering he was uh, he was five and five and potentially looking to to maybe be like getting cut, and he ends the year four and off. Well, definitely. Well, look at it like you were saying. Going on a four-fight win streak, especially when Dave has announced that there's going to be a potential like 60 fighters cut by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. That's not obviously a, a thing that you want to hear as a fighter, but to know that you've just gone out there and took out an absolute wanker in, in Greg Harder, <laughs> you can you can imagine. So, and I know what we give him. I know what we give him shit on the Five Rounds podcast, but that's not like it's not he's not ordered. The guy's a dickhead, but you got to give it to him. We do, we do give him props when he does good in, in the octagon. And in the first round, he did do well. He, he, he was putting his combos together clean. He was getting his shots off clean. But Greg Hardy did what Greg Hardy does. And if for me, he's a, a one-dimensional fighter. Now, a lot of people can look at it and go, yeah, he's a heavyweight, he hits hard, he knocks people out. Yeah, that's fair enough. But when you get to a certain calibre of fighter, you can't always just look for the knockout because when you look for the knockout, most of the time you don't get the knockout. It's, mm -hmm. You go to the decision or you end up getting hurt yourself because you end up getting sloppy on a different area and that's exactly what Greg Hardy did. He, he's always looking for that knockout because he's only got that pressure for first round. When it gets to the second or third and God help him if he even gets to, to main event and, and fourth and fifth because the guy's going to have an heart attack in ring if that's the case. Mm -hmm. he, like I say, I, when I was speaking to you earlier, he's... he's He's big. Um, he's a big athlete for heavyweight. He moves fast. He moves. He, he reminds me a, a, a lot like Brock Lesnar with the way he moves. But <clears throat> again, that can only go so far. And like you were saying, Greg Hardy looks amateur on the floor, and he, he he absolutely does. He didn't have a clue what to do. And obviously, as time comes on, you you get to learn this sort of stuff. But it's not like the it's not like the tubby bastards getting any getting any younger. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and you you uh, mocking his weight there, but to be fair, he he only just made weight and, and this for heavyweight. That's pathetic. How do you only just make weight for heavyweight? I mean, you're already fat enough. We were we were commenting on that. Where he looked more uh, muscular than than Tiberi looked, but uh, was eleven pounds heavier, uh, which. Yeah, if if you were struggling to to be able to breathe in round two, 
you need to shed some of those pounds. It's all all well and good being being muscly uh, and having like the the power, but if that power can't get you through 15 minutes of fighting, you're going to you're going to become unstuck in this division very quickly. That's it. His conditioning is is awful. It's, it's piss poor. That's all it is. It's just he's got absolutely no. He's got power and he's got speed for the first round. Then after that, he's he's it's nothing. He he just gets picked apart and that's exactly what Tabora did he mm-hmm. fair enough I've got to give it to Tabora he definitely needs to work on his fucking end movement uh, but he was able to weather the storm in that first round and in the second round he were, yeah he still took some shots but he were able to throw some counters of his own back and then he were, as soon as he were able to grab hold of that leg and, and basically drag Hardy down to the ground it was just game over for Hardy there and then and to be honest with you, it's not like I didn't have a smile on my face. I'm a guy <laughs> so going into the the second fight on this main card and probably the the shock of the night with uh, Rob Font taking on Marlon Moraes um, in the uh, bantamweight division. Uh, Marlon Moraes, obviously, like we know him as as former challenger and really kind of like a becoming like the gatekeeper for for the top of that division and Rob Font coming off a, a year uh, out with uh, with injury. Nobody gave Rob Font much of a chance in this part, but he uh, he proved everybody wrong. We started with a, a very quick uh, takedown from Marlon Ray, someone who's normally uh, works well on his feet and and uses his uh, his power and his and his speed uh, to win fights, and he actually went for the takedown. Uh, did really well to kind of control um, Rob on the on the on the ground for for a little bit, but once Rob was able to to uh, get into half guard and, and kind of uh, be able to to escape the the clutches of Moraes, it was quickly back to his feet. Uh, but on the way on the way of like scrambling and, and getting out of the the clinch. Um, there was a, 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 a the both guys were were landing big shots, but Rob's were land. Rob just landed enough of a shot to to realise that Marlon Moraes was hurt. He went down. Um, Rob, Rob did what uh, any fighter would do. He he saw that chance to finish. Saw the blood in the water. Uh, started laying the punches in. Uh, Moraes did well to try and scramble, but uh, this was a. A very easy uh, decision for Mark Goddard to stop this fight because uh, Rob Font was just absolutely wasting Marlon Moraes. And, uh, three minutes and 47 seconds of the first round and Rob Font uh, picks up a massive, massive victory. A, a big victory for him to say that he came off for a, a, an injury, which not just any injury, a knee injury that, that puts a lot of fighters out, not just for a long time, but necessarily for forever, for the rest of the career. Uh, and he's able to come back from that and get a big win over Marlon Moraes, who's a former, uh, is a former world champion and a former title contender in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do agree with Michael in this sense. He's made it a lot easier for me to speak about when you do, when you do come from a knockout loss like that in your last fight. It does make you. I don't care who who you are. I don't care what you say. It does make you gunshot. You text that, it takes that special person or that special support network for you to not be a bit worried of, am I going to get knocked out again if I go in? Am I going to get knocked out again if I just stand here? So, yeah, if you if you are going to take someone down and work them on the ground, you're not likely going to get kicked in the head and get knocked out because you, you're on the ground. So it, his game plan was perfect to, to come in, take you down, try and get his confidence, build that back up, 
Um, I think it was it, it was a perfect plan. Just unfortunately, it just it it just doesn't go doesn't go to plan sometimes, and especially with this one, I don't think I don't think Marlon's is losing it in a way. Obviously, the game plan just didn't work. He it was working for the start up until he up until he basically got in a way got countered, but got checked. Whatever way you want to call it, just Rob Fon had that sort of fire in him to think. I'm, I've come back from this injury. I've trained my heart off to get back to this moment. I'm not losing now, and you can sort of see in his eyes when the sort of tide changed and that uppercut landed perfectly for him. And you just heard it as soon as it, it as soon as that uppercut landed for him, you could just smell the, the he could just smell the blood in the water. And mm-hmm. like you say, he just went in for the kill, and it were a perfect execution. And going off after the fight, he, he were uh, when he was speaking to DC and how emotional he were. You could just feel. The passion that that he he basically took with him into that fight, knowing that he had to come over uh, an injured, being out for a long time, and obviously 2020 has not been the best year for a lot of people. So, and especially when you're a, a professional fighter like that, who who generally fights to make your money, and you, you're not being able to fight because you're trying to recover from an injury. Uh, I'm I'm so glad you were able to come back, especially a, a big win over Marlin. Cause he, he he puts him further up the spot now. It's not like mm-hmm. he he has to. Uh, Fight all the way uh, up the line. He he's got he's in good potential to to shout out a good name and and make up the ranks. And I'm sure he, he shouted out Dillashaw. And to be honest with you, I don't think that's a bad fight for him. Yeah, I mean Dillashaw will get shouted out for with quite a few people on this card. But we'll we'll get to that later on. But uh, yeah, great great result for for Rob Font going into the middle card. And, and this is where we get a run of a uh, three. Uh, decisions in a row. Uh, the first decision for me was probably the most razor thin with uh, Michelle Pereira taking on Chaos Williams. Obviously, Chaos Williams has has, has done really well in in terms of like just absolutely demolishing people and and cleaning them out in in the first round. Where Michelle Pereira is. is it's one of those fighters who you just can't take your eyes off because of that capoeira background and and just how cocky and kind of like brash he is uh, with with the dancing and and and, and the showboating. Um, for the first round, I felt that um, it was a you could tell it was a massive, massive clash of styles. Pereira was uh, obviously the way taller and way lengthier uh, a fighter, so I think Williams kind of struggled to get. Uh, his punches uh, in range. So what he focused on was was the was the leg kicks. Uh, landed quite a few of those. But uh, even though I would have said that uh, uh, chaos landed more shots, uh, probably in every single round. To be fair, I think the power behind Pereira's shots and the the kind of the the laser focused accuracy from him, uh, I think that's what swayed the judges more than anything. Uh, he, he kept throwing uh, this uh, this lethal front kick to the body, and you could see how it took the wind out of a uh, out of uh, Chaos Williams. So for the first round, I I thought it was a very kind of razor thin round, but I, I felt that Pereira did enough to win that. Uh, going into the second, a lot of the same thing. Pereira's always kind of been uh, light on his feet. Uh, dancing around, really, like I said, really, really showboating, uh, and Williams were was just struggling to be able to break into that that pocket. Um, 
but he, he he did start again continuing with with those leg kicks really really trying to like take that uh that arsenal away from uh Pereira and what he did in this round uh uh, much more successfully than he did in the first was he started to catch those uh, those front kicks and was able to land uh, really good combinations off off the off the, off the catch and um, you would have thought that Pereira would have would have kind of shied away from throwing those front kicks but he didn't he kept, kept throwing them uh, and Williams would catch maybe one one or two uh, of them in 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 the second round and really land some big shots. Um, going towards the the end of the round, um, we got Williams able to to get some clinch, but whilst he was in the clinch, he, he wasn't able to get off a lot of shots. Whereas Pereira was able to use that those kind of like really uh, almost stretch Armstrong style kind of knees, where he was able to land really high in the body. Uh, he was able to drag down uh, uh, chaos to the to the ground. Uh, landed, uh, tried to get a rear naked choke. Uh, just couldn't get enough squeeze on it at the end and and for me i felt that again Pereira, uh because of that submission probably picked up that that round going into the third round and this is where uh i felt that Pereira, um he, he he's learned lessons from his previous fights where he would do all his capoeira stuff early in the fight and kind of tear himself out Absolutely. well he didn't in this fight. He only he did the capoeira stuff in the third round when he knew he had the the gas tank to be able to to do that. So this is where we started getting the like the 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 acrobatics from from Pereira. Uh, but I think he took a lot more shots in this round because he took a lot more chances with uh with his with his offense. Um, but he then again was able to, at the end to to really kind of uh, rubber stamp his his mark on on the judges' cards with uh, with another takedown and was able to land a lot of ground and pound at the end some really vicious elbows and uh, we had a uh, Chaos Williams really kind of struggling to to stop those shots coming through um, and I think that that's that's essentially what what won the fight for Pereira. Me, it wasn't so much that he uh, had the the more output because I don't believe that he did. I think it was he had the more accurate output and then was able to score two takedowns, which really does make a it makes a, a difference on the judges' card. I mean, we've spoke about this plenty of times before how the judges can be easily influenced by by things like that. Uh, and he and he took away the. Uh, the uh, unanimous decision. That's it, and you can't. Uh, before I even get into this fight, actually, I'm going to say I do believe these two are going to fight again. Whether it be in it, run it back straight away, or they fight different opponents, then fight each other. But I do believe these two are going to fight each other again for such a razor close um, scorecard. You can't, you, you can't not have them. Well, in my mm-hmm. opinion, you can't not have them fight again because you can understand. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at bet mgm 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If it don't matter, like I say, you can understand how, how prayer on it, but then you can also understand where if they give it with chaos... You couldn't really be mad because in the first round it was you could probably class that as a draw to be honest because it was that close and you can't pick out a a, a, a decisive enough winner like there was not no one was more aggressive than the other not no one was more technically sound than the other there was like you're saying it was like a in a weird way like a, a clash of of styles but. They're not even the same sort of style, so it's it's weird even saying that. But mm-hmm. I I do I do agree with giving it Pereira because at the end of the day, yeah, fair enough. It's understandable. You you've got a lot of leg kicks in there and you've got some shots off. But going later on into the fight, Pereira was the one who was showing to be more of the aggressor. It was showing to be the one who was going there looking for a fight whereas Chaos it looked a bit more calm it looked a bit more it was happy just to point fight in a way and then look for openings but then it's not like he was going in for anything it was only up until like the the third round when he started to like open up a little bit and actually find um, actually find uh, Perry's chin so it's it's a bit difficult to to score in that sort of sense but then Pereira, one thing I did love about him is, like you said, he, he's learnt from his past mistakes. He he calmed his tempo down a bit. He didn't go full out in the first Like We just spoke about Greg Hardy where he literally goes out in the first round because that's all he's got. Pereira sort of looked like that sort of character where with his capoeira he'd go out in the first round and give it all of his got. But it's not like it's not like that. He was just using his, his, his effort in the wrong... Uh, direction he was putting all of his time into doing all this crazy mad shit in the first round and then just skipping that hang on a minute I've got two or three maybe possibly when he does do main events four more rounds to go and mm-hmm. he's able to calm it whether that being his trainer whether that being himself self reflecting either way it's a good thing for him that he's able to calm down sure that he can he can stay confident and, and calm in, in them sort of situations and I liked it how he still opened up in the end. He knew last five minutes, the end of the day, the the fight's over after this. So I can open up. I can start doing some of my wild shit that I'm known for. And I'm glad that he did because you sometimes can sort of lose yourself when you're one of these. Uh, like look at Pettis for instance. As soon as like he was fighting, they were on about him being on Wheaties box, and then they showed the Pettis kick straight afterwards. Like that's what he's known for. So a lot of people when they fight. When, when they fight Pettis or when they're watching Pettis, they're expecting to see something like that, which is sometimes unfair on the fighter because you're not looking for that all the time. and It's not like you can pull it off all the time. You're there to fight. You're there to win a fight. You're not there to sort of pull off a spectacular move. And I'm glad that Pereira were able to slow his pace out and show that he's not, he's not just one of these fighters who's going to just go out there and just do shitloads of wild moves just, just for your entertainment and end up basically messing himself up in the... In the in the long game, because yeah, it's still fighting, but it's still a business at the end of the day. These people have got to win the fights to make more money, to move up on in the ranks, to make more money, 
so they can look after the families, look after the children. So you, you, you've got to think of it in that sort of sense. I liked it how he were able to just calm his, calm his farting down and and just play it as it were. He, weren't, he wasn't being over-reckless. Because Chaos, he's one of them, you've still got to respect him, even though he's relatively new to the UFC. You go and watch his farts, he's an animal if he cracks you. He's got some serious mm -hmm. knockout power. We've seen it in his last... Uh, it's two farts in the UFC, he's got two two stoppages. So we've seen it in his last two farts. It's he's got some power and um Pereira were able to he still respected that, but he were able to tone the respect down, tone his fighting style down, pick um pick chaos apart and then start bringing his temple later on in the round, which for his fighting style, especially the capoeira, capoeira takes a lot of energy, especially with a lot of spinning and the kicks and all that sort of crazy shit. It takes a lot of energy. So, yeah, if he if he farts like this, I'm, he's gonna go a little bit further than he were four farts ago. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, it's a it's a big win against a a very young, hungry fighter for for Pereira. So. Uh, I, I'm, I think I'm in, in agreement with you though that this this doesn't seem like it's the end of the story for these two guys. Yeah. Um, so going into the co-main event, uh, Jose Aldo taking on Marlon Vera. Uh, Jose deciding to to stay down at bantamweight, really wanting to make a push for that for that title, even though his uh, his dalliance in bantamweight didn't get off to the best of starts. Uh, but in in this fight, I think he really kind of. Uh, he showed a lot of the Jose Aldo of old uh, in this fight. Was uh, was really really good with uh, checking those leg kicks. Uh, Vera's game plan was clear that he wanted to come and and kind of chop the legs of uh, of uh, Jose Aldo. Uh, and Jose was able to all the way through this fight uh, to to really check those uh, leg kicks and then focus on the the hard body shots and it was a really well worked kind of a, a game plan by Jose Aldo he he would uh, feint the the shots to the 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 head uh, and then when uh, Vera was covering up he would land the body shots which were just absolutely brutal and then when uh, Vera's kind of guard come down he would land the headshots and it, it, it was such a successful uh, technique for Aldo that he pretty much continued it all the way through the fire uh, and when uh, Vera tried to, to come in for for the clinch to, to kind of like uh, counter um, that that um, those body punches Aldo was able to, to basically out muscle Vera and and really kind of like drive the knees in really kind of bring a lot of the techniques that he that made him the the champion at February and one of the the best fighters in the world uh, not too long on, uh, we kind of like thought that he was on on the slide, but this is a really kind of like uh, back to the old school style of old um, uh, fight. When when he uh, did get to the ground, uh, Aldo again was was able to really work, and and especially in that third round when he uh, he was able to just control uh, Vera for such a long time on that fight. Um, I felt that going into that third round, he was two rounds up anyway, but uh, he did the the right thing in kind of like uh, solidifying the win by 
taking that third round out of the equation by just controlling Vera with that brilliant uh, body triangle. Uh, didn't really get into any positions where you could see a finish coming. Uh, Vera was able to really control the wrists and, and the arms of, of Aldo, so he was able to avoid the rear naked choke. Uh, he tried squirming out of the body triangle quite a few times, but Aldo was was like a was like a snake and was able to just uh, keep getting that position. Able to really control Vera on the, on the floor uh, and 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 just guarantee the victory. Uh, the judges giving it all 29, 28 to uh, Jose Aldo and Jose Aldo finally getting a win at the bantamweight division and maybe getting another push at a bantamweight title. Hopefully he does. He, obviously, the Jose Aldo, he, he, out of anyone out of them smaller weights, deserves a last push at the title before retirement. It's definitely him. He's done so much for the sport of MMA, especially at the, these latter weights over the last decade, making a name for himself in the, in the WEC, going onto the UFC and being such a dominant, uh, being such a dominant champion at, at featherweight. Uh, in this fight, he, he's. He really surprised me. I thought I thought Marlon were gonna bring out more of a fight because he were giving it big and about how he doesn't, in a way, respect Aldo because he wasn't a fan of these smaller fighters because he knew that later on down the line <clears throat> he'd have to fight them. Which yeah, in a way, I can understand. I can I can understand where where he's coming from. But then, how do you not give someone like Aldo respect, man? <laughs> Especially when you you're fighting him and you know. I, it, it, all you have to do is go and look at his first fight or one of his first fights were, were Faber and then Google Faber's leg after the fight you just want to see the bruise on his leg it's just he just got leg kicked for, for five rounds straight he, the guy couldn't he couldn't stand afterwards so when you're when you're speaking about Josie Aldo you, you're speaking about a, an absolute legend there and I think Marlin were a bit in over his heels, in over his head, um, mm -hmm. in a way. Uh, he, he surprised me with obviously his movement going from side to side, trying his best to cut Aldo off. But Aldo's one of them spectacular fighters. He just he seemed on fire. He he didn't seem to to miss a point. He fair enough. His shots weren't the cleanest. Like you can you can tell Marlon he would just he just wasn't that fast. He, a slight delay faster, he would have been able to get out the way of the shots, and he was able to get out the way enough to where they was connecting, but not connecting flush. It was there were more of taps and grazers rather than full-on connection knockout blows, and so that he's got to give him credit for that. Obviously, he were able to to somewhat get out the way, but when you've got Josie Aldo, whose accuracy is on point, and when he's fired up and in the zone you've got to be on your toes because that's exactly what he's doing. He's, mm -hmm. he's on his toes ready to win that fight. Um, to say he's an old... People say he's, a, he's an old fighter, but in this bantamweight division, he yeah, he didn't start off on the on on the best of toes, but you, you, it's like you, you're dropping down a weight, aren't you? So you, you you're somewhat could be expected to not start off on the best one, uh, on the best run, but he... He's doing well so far, and like I say, I hopefully he does fight for that belt. He he's beat. What is he ranked four in that division now? Uh, it, it went five. into that fight ranked seven. Um, I think um, Vera was fifteen, so I don't know if that'll move him up. Um, 
but the UFC they change the rankings as as much as they change their underwear. Exactly. So one more fight or whoever. Say who's the champion at bantamweight now? Who's the champion? Petty Young, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Petty Young. That's it. If say if, if if Dillashaw doesn't get that instant title match, which to be honest with you, I think he's probably going to get an instant title match well, as soon as he comes back. You, you mentioned Dillashaw, and it was Hosel that called out Dillashaw as well. Well, that's what I was going to say. Whether it being in fight for Dillashaw and that being a title contender, which you could. In, in, in another sense, you can see the UFC doing because at the end of the day, that's money in itself. Yeah. Aldo versus Dillashaw, and then whoever fight wins that fight for the belt. But it, it's a good win for Josie at the end of the day, especially over a guy who was looked at as being overlooked at being ranked 14. People mm-hmm. were saying that he should have definitely been ranked higher. Uh, but Jose Aldo proved that doesn't matter where you're ranked, he's able to, he's able to win no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, then let's go into this main event and uh, the last fight of uh, 2020. The welterweight division, Wonderboy Stephen Thompson coming back uh, after, what, a, a year on the sidelines, taking on uh, Jeff Neal. Uh, Jeff Neal's whole kind of storyline going into this fight was that he he wasn't going to waste time trying to work out uh, Wonderboy's tactics uh, he says that's how Wonderboy kind of like uh, frustrates his opponents and he was just going to fight his own game uh, and and really kind of take the fight to, to Wonderboy. That didn't happen. Absolutely uh, not. <laughs> this, was, this was as one-sided a fight as you will see uh, in a long, long time. Wonderboy using that uh, karate base as he is known to do. Very wily, very kind of dynamic with his shots. Uh, just so impressive. Um, the first round, the, the big talking point was the, the clash of heads. Uh, Wonderboy uh, ended up with a, a really long, deep cut uh, in the middle of his eyebrows, and um, Jeff Neal ended up with a cut underneath his right eye. Uh, and those cuts uh, would bleed pretty much all the way through the fight. Every every time they they took shots, they would bleed all the way through. But the the problem in this fight for me was that Jeff Neal didn't throw enough shots. Uh, whether that was because he couldn't get in the range of, of, of Thompson, whether Thompson was too wily and kind of like really threw uh, Jeff Neal off his game plan. Um, but he was just unable to make contact with uh, with, with Thompson enough to, to win this fight. And for the first uh, three rounds, it was it was all Thompson really picking off Jeff Neal uh, with his uh, with his longer longer limbs, with his uh, with his karate based kicks, and and Jeff Neal just had very little to answer for. He just couldn't couldn't get any, anything at all. There was a point in the third where he lost his uh, mouthpiece after after again uh, landed on uh, a few times, but. Thompson was almost kind of like polite in this fight. He was really like, "Are you all right, uh, Jeff? Uh, are you good, man?" He's um, too nice. Yeah, he's he's so is and and one thing I think the the most interesting thing about Jeff Neal's fight was he kept burping. Uh, like going into the fourth and fifth, I think he burped about four or five times. Oh, 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 yeah, oh. And, uh, maybe he needed some like uh, Gaviscon. Something like <laughs> that. But uh, in the in the fourth round. Uh, 
again it was it was a lot of just Wonderboy just being able to to keep Jeff at bay, landing his shots without whatever he needed. Um, the in the fourth, both of the guys uh, went for kicks and both ended up slipping. Uh, and it was they were kind enough to let each other stand back up, which is uh, weird to see in a UFC fight. Uh, but going in, into the end of this uh, fourth round, uh, and I missed it, so it'd be interesting to see if Carlos caught it. But to, uh, Wonderboy was seemed like he was struggling with his right leg. I don't know what uh, what shot um, did the damage or whether he just tweaked it or not. Uh, but he was able to to convincingly hide it in the fifth round with his movement. Uh, ironically, the fifth round was probably Jeff Neal's best round. He threw a lot more shots. He was uh, more aggressive, but it was clearly just a left little too uh, too little too late. Got to the final minute, and they just both agreed to start standing and banging, uh, as we we tend to get in these kind of five round fights. But this was a, a big big victory. All three judges give it uh, fifty forty five, which meant that Thompson won every single round on every single card. Uh, a really big victory for for Thompson. Kind of, kind of like solidifying him back in that welterweight division uh, and again looking for maybe to challenge out. Well that's it, you, you never know especially uh, with the way the welterweight division is going now uh, that could be a possibility and Wonderboy did what Wonderboy does best in this fight he were able to just hit and move, hit and move hit and move and not stay in the same space as where he were prior and not only that he he attacks from the side, Wonderboy, in a weird way. He'll attack from the side and then slowly work his way onto you. And then attack onto you and slowly work his way onto the side. But his head's always constantly moving. And every time you always try and take a step forward, that side kick always comes. It's a defence mechanism. It's like bones with his uh, oblique kicks. Mm -hmm. Every time you move forward, he's always going to shoot that, that side kick. Because he knows that he's going to put, even if he doesn't hit you fully with it, as long as he touches you with it, he knows that his chin is out of the way of a danger. So he knows that you're not going to be able to kick him, you're not going to be able to punch him. As long as he hits you with that, if you're coming forward, odds are you're pushing him away with your with your effort going forward. And that's he uses that perfectly. And I always say it when I'm speaking about Wonderboy, he reminds me of the of the modern day Machida. The same as what people say Khabib's like the modern day JSP. Mm -hmm. it, he's in that sort of sense because the way he's able to use his karate in modern day mixed martial arts is incredible. Because when a lot of people speak about uh, uh, different disciplines, what works best in, in mixed martial arts, a lot of people go to kickboxing, boxing and wrestling and BJJ. And a lot of people sort of tend to overlook stuff like karate and when you are able to use it perfectly like Wonderboy does, a lot of stuff can happen for you. Now, obviously, it's not like it's one of them things where he's just picked it up overnight. Wonderboy, he's near enough 40 years of age and he's still mm -hmm. fighting the best of the best and beating the best of the best. And he's able to, to take a shot. He's able to move. And obviously, going into the fourth round, that's when he started having problems because throughout the foot, even after the, even after the leg injury, he was still winning them rounds, which, in a way, a wonder boy with one leg is still dangerous. So just you can just that in the sense should just put it into what he did in the first three rounds because he was winning them convincingly. There was no if any of them judges give that far to 
to Jeff Neal, they need firing. It's as simple as that. Because he did not win the fight. He, he tried his best. He did not win the fight. He didn't... Well, I say he tried his best, but like you were saying, he didn't open up enough. He was... He were another one who were content to basically just stand there and let let Wonderboy do what he does best. He yeah. gave him too much room to work. Now, going in, obviously, in the first round, he started to give a little bit of pressure so Wonderboy didn't have as much room to work, but Wonderboy was just moving, moving and moving, and he wasn't cutting him off. He was just following him, in a way. The same as what... Um, oh, I can't remember what fight it was, but literally a couple of fights ago. Uh, but, yeah, it's exactly the same as that. He wasn't cutting him off, going slightly to the right or left. He was, he was just following him down the middle, and... Well, Wonderboy, you don't do that because if he's if you're giving him room to move about, you're giving him room to to potentially knock you out. And obviously, he's not one of these characters who we know as a as a one punch KO. But he's got a volume power, and a, he was hitting Jeff Neal with a lot of shots and a lot of volume and a lot of three, four, fives, and he, he he was just non-stop. And that's one way he he does it. So people double think because obviously you've got Jeff Neal saying that he's not going to let Wonderboy play he's basically do his game plan he's, if he's going to win he's going to do it by his own rules and it's the exact same way with Bones a lot of fighters say that but when you actually step in front of them there's an aura about these sort of fighters that makes you either A forget your game plan or B just makes you freeze and think what the fuck do I do here like he's just moved how did he just what the what so it's you can sometimes get yourself startled in a way, and I think that's exactly what Jeff Neal did. He he gave Wonderboy too much respect, and and you can you can understand why. Then it's not like he's one of the fighters who you really want to punch in the face. The guy's too fucking nice. Like he, he hit Jeff Neal and he hurt him. Now most fighters, if a fight if you hit a fight and they start walking away from you, you jump on them, you jump on them, and you don't let up. Yeah. And Wonderboy asked him if you're all right halfway through cracks. He was, Oh, you're right, mate. Yeah. It's what the fuck? It was so it was so weird. I mean, I dare say it's like that anyway, but we've just been able to hear it because of, of the crowd. Well, that's it. But it was like Bispin were like, "Come on, this is this is a time and a place." And it, I understand that, like, mate. I, I do, I do love him. Like he's he's a he's a character. He's the kind guy. But then the day you're fighting, you fucking you're fighting like be nice out of the cage. Like in the cage, it's fair enough, but. When you've hurt your opponent, don't say you're out. Fucking finish him. Don't give him a hug afterwards. Ask him if he's all right then. But when you're in the fight, it's there's a time and a place really to, to be like that. But not not in the middle of a fight. But obviously with his knee, when it started giving him a bit of issue, and he, he hit it really well. And to me, it looked like it was swelling above like near the tendon area. So it could have been anything with his ACL or his LCL tearing it could have been anything to do with his cartilage but it did a, it did look like his his tendon for his like his, his hamstring was sort of like they look like it looked like it snapped off yeah, the, the yeah. sort of swelling where it were coming up and it would and if it was that jesus christ what an absolute gangster for basically keeping up with that pain and not only that he was still throwing it so there's clearly an injury on that leg and he was playing it off really well to still being able to move on it because he wasn't it definitely, it definitely slowed him down. It definitely made him a bit more um, static, if you will, because Jeff Neal were able to catch him in this, in the last uh, fourth and fifth round. They were able to put a little bit more damage on uh, on Wonderboy, and that's why going into the fifth round, I think it was like 
three and a half minutes in, you heard Wonderboy's dad basically shouting, get on the bar, get on the bar, just just basically move because even his dad knew that leg was that leg was compromised. So he knew that Wonderboy didn't have the same mobility, didn't have the same movement as he did in in round one, two and three. So it was like, you need to move because if you stay still and do exactly what you were doing, because in round five, he was he was letting himself basically stay up against the cage and it was like the movement he was doing in the in the last four rounds, he was he was slowly forgetting it and getting into one of them slugfests and I can understand that some fighters do that when you're fighting and you get you, you just you just get in the zone when you you just know it. It's one of them. It's hard to explain, but when you're a fighter and you're in the zone, you you are and you don't mind a bit of a you don't mind a bit of a scrap. But Wonderboy were in that position where he was winning that fight dominantly. And Jeff Neal is a power puncher. Yeah. You don't get into a scrap of him because it's only going to take one crack from him and you're gonna regret it fast. And it was perfect advice from Wonderboy's dad. On your back, fucking move. Don't stand still and do not put your back up against that pissing cage. You do that, you're going to lose a fight. And what's the point in losing a fight that you've been winning for the last 20 minutes? There's absolutely no point. Just for what? Just for a, just for someone to go, oh, look at him, he, he, he's a fucking scrapper. Him. Well, but it's like, the, the same kind of thing happened to him against um, Pettis. Exactly. Where he was dominating against Pettis and slowed his pace down and Pettis was able to... to to eke out the victory. Exactly, and, that, and I'm just I'm glad he, he he sort of listened to his dad's advice and didn't do it in this fight. Now, obviously, he's not a boring fighter one little bit. He's just no. too he's just too nice of a fighter. Like he's, I don't know. He's, you want to say he ain't gonna kill a mentality, but he doesn't mind kicking you in chin. <laughs> he's one of them. He's, he's a nice guy, but he doesn't mind punching you. I'm sorry I'm going to have to rip your face off. That's exactly it. He, 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 would, he would be the sort of guy to apologise after mugging you. This it's is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Exactly, but like you're saying, after that win over Jeff Neal, obviously it, it would have looked better for him in the last couple of minutes to get a finish, but especially with a performance like that, but you, I don't think you can take anything away. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, near enough 40 years of age and still farting, Guys like Jeff Neal and Keepy yeah. up there. Elite level. That just says something about the guy's character mm-hmm. all in itself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, like we said at the beginning of the show, this was uh, UFC's uh, last event of, of uh, 2020. Usually we have a, uh, a New Year event, but unfortunately we're not getting one of those this year. I think Dana's uh, given us so much content over the last uh, nine months that even he wants a break, which is shocking. Uh, so the next event, I think, is... Um, in the middle of January, but uh, don't you fear? Five rounds uh, never stops, and we'll soon be coming with uh, with that uh, content. Uh, I think next week's show we'll probably do our year end awards uh, and basically talk about the the very best and very worst of uh, UFC in twenty twenty. So listen out for that. Uh, follow uh, me on Twitter at DJ Kirby. Follow Carlos here at Kurt underscore Carlos. Uh, follow the networks at Visionaries Global Media, at Chair Shop Media, and at Shooting the Sports-ish. Uh, thank you all for listening. Have a merry, merry Christmas and a happy new year. And that is the end. Adios, amigos. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head.